And now it gives me great pleasure in introducing our speaker today, Reverend Patrick Cameron, is away today, but in his place we have someone who has been a longtime friend and colleague of mine on this spiritual journey. She is a brilliant woman, truly magnificent. She has a very inspiring talk for us today on Hide and Seek, Reverend Pat Bredeau. There you go. Good morning. Welcome. Patrick and Laura know when to leave town, don't they? So, thank you for playing, Karen. If you'll join me as we set the intention for this day and know the truth, recognize the truth about who and what we are. There is but one life, one infinite divine presence that amazing being that is at the center and the circumference of all that is, I allow myself to relax into divine truth. I allow myself to awaken to that presence of absolute unconditional love and expansiveness, clarity, creativity, amazement, awe and wonder. I know that all of the qualities of the divine are here now operating in as and through me in each moment and in as and through every person that sets an intention or allows themselves to feel that presence, to experience the bliss of knowing their oneness with the divine. So I claim safety and and joy. I claim the ability to hear the message, to hear through the ears of spirit to that which is my heart's yearning. Whatever is necessary for me to be uplifted into that state of pure grace is making its way to me now with ease and grace. And I know that this is true for all. So having set this intention, I surrender this truth into the law, knowing that my part is done and that the whole universe is conspiring for my fulfillment, for the manifestation of the glory of the one. It is done. It is good and very, very good. I declare that it is so now. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Karen. So good morning. Thank you for choosing to be here. It's been an amazing morning already. Just getting here was a bit of an adventure, was it not? Finding a parking spot might have been a bit of an adventure. So are you beginning to notice how amazing and almost magical or mystical life is? Are you starting to see that unmistakable touch of grace in your life? Have you noticed yet that when you set an intention or get really clear on something that you want, that somehow you suddenly find a book, or you overhear a conversation, or someone shows up in your life to be the fulfillment of that which you are desiring. Well, you know, they say that you always teach what you most need to learn. And so today, I want to talk about something that I want to learn at a deeper level. And that is the ability to savor the present moment the ability to enjoy the journey, 
to stop striving for a different experience of this moment and to really show up and fully experience whatever is going on now? Do you know that when you think about it, this moment will never come again? This, this moment will never show up exactly as it is, and in that way, it is absolutely precious. As I've been thinking about and working with these concepts over the last couple of months, there are a couple of books that have found their way into my life, and I'd like to share some of the insights and the wisdom that have come from those books. These books have begun to help me lighten up a little, something that was um, much needed, because I do have a tendency to take myself really seriously. Um, But it's also given me the opportunity to play with some new perspectives. This first book is called Busting Loose from the Money Game. I took the cover off, so. Um, but it's by Robert Schenfeld. And the second one is called Manifesting Change, and it's by Mike Dooley. Now, I don't know much about Robert, but Mike Dooley, some of you will be familiar with. He was in the movie The Secret, and he is the author of The Notes from the Universe. So some of you are probably signed up for the Adventures Club and get his emails on a regular basis. I've loved his writing since I first discovered it a couple of years ago. So I picked up Busting Loose on the recommendation from Reverend Catherine Cardinal. And although the premise of the book, Busting Loose of the Money Game, is around financial abundance, um, I realized very quickly into the book that this could be used for absolutely any area of your life. The basic concept of this book is that life is a game. And here's how Robert outlines it. He says, as an infinite being, if you're going to play a game... You can't just play any game. You'd be bored out of your mind. It would be like a professional basketball team playing an eighth grade basketball team. There'd be no challenge, no point, no real game. If you, as an infinite being, are going to play a game, it must be the ultimate game. It must be extremely sophisticated and complex and cleverly designed to keep you riveted, to keep you challenged and on the edge of your seat at all times, and that's no simple task. So think about that. We created this complex game that he calls the human game, and it's kind of like a great big amusement park. It's got rides and attractions, and much of it is a lot like the game of hide-and-seek. In part one of the game, we create this elaborate stage. We We create, in our own mind, Um, actors like you. We create these great scripts and we create this masterful directing, coordinating all of the aspects of this game. And it's all designed to appear very real and very believable. In phase one of the game, we hide things that are important to us, that we find valuable. These are things like our authentic empowerment, our creativity, our worthiness, our ability to love, to forgive, to feel loved, our abundance. These are the things that as an infinite being, you already have. We all already have these things. We always have and we always will. But then we create this game and we show up and choose to forget. We forget that we have them. We forget that we ever had them. We forget that we've hidden them and we forget where we've hidden them. 
In phase one, we also create so many experiences that give credibility to the reality of this forgetting, give credibility to the reality of the game and to the limitations that we have chosen to place ourselves within. So I'm guessing that most of you as kids have played some version of the game of hide-and-seek. About 10 years ago, my younger brother Michael came to visit us, and at that time my daughters were five and seven. And it was early morning, Um, we were at the farm, Uh, we had a mobile home on the farm at that time, and Michael was, while I was getting breakfast, Michael was playing a version of hide-and-seek with my two daughters. Um, And because the place was small and hiding places were limited, Michael was choosing to hide a small object in places around the house. And then as the kids were looking for it, he gave them information about when they were getting closer by saying, cold, cold, no, getting warmer, getting warmer. You may have played a version of this yourself. So as the girls got the hang of this game and how, how his directions were helping them get closer to the object of their desire, there was a great deal of fun being had. But what I noticed is that as soon as they found the object, they celebrated briefly and then off they went to the other room so that Michael had the opportunity to hide that object again. So although we tell ourselves that the, more, the game, the purpose of the game was to find the object, Clearly it wasn't, because once found, they wanted to hide it again. The object of the game, really, was the joy of the search. It was the fun that they had in looking for the object. Within a fairly short time, they they became pretty adept at, at playing this game, and so Michael decided to put a little twist on it, and instead of hiding the object in a stationary spot, he stuck it into the pocket of my clothes, so that as I was moving around the house getting breakfast ready, um, so was the object. And you could see at five and seven the confusion on their faces when all of a sudden the rules of the game were clearly different, but they didn't know why or how. And that whole question, that doubt, wondering if they were understanding the instructions, wondering if they could trust him to be telling them the truth, it was quite fascinating to watch the confusion on their faces. So then, um, when Michael said warmer, they'd be looking at each other like, is he talking about her or me? Am I warmer or is she warmer? According to Busting Loose, um, part two of the human game is all about the joy of rediscovering and reclaiming the power that you have hidden in part one. This is most often made all the more enjoyable because of the fact that you have forgotten that what it is that you were searching for, you always already had. So when you find it, you feel like you're being added unto, that there's something more that you're becoming. Remember, though, as an infinite being, it's not possible for there to be anything more ever added to you. You already have it all. So although I don't really remember how this, the search for this object ended, probably with me calling breakfast is my guess, um, what is fascinating to me is that this occurred over 10 years ago, and I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But as I was working on the idea of hide-and-seek and how we hide our good from ourselves, I overheard my, my daughters talking to each other, and they were reminiscing about that time and about that game. And all of a sudden, what became available to me was something that had always been there, a memory, and had been lost to me in the moment, but was brought back to me at the moment that I most 
needed it. So I'm sure that some of you have had the opportunity to play the game of hide-and-seek even recently. Some of you may play it on a regular basis, perhaps with your car keys. Um, You've been there. You're heading out. There's somewhere important that you need to go, and you go to the door, and they're not hanging on the hook where they normally are. So the search begins. You may check your pockets. You may look in a purse or in, um, go through the closet and try and remember what it was you were wearing the last when you came in. You look around and to no avail. You know that you have the keys. The car's in the driveway. You had to have used them to get that car back here. But where is it? And so in retracing your steps, you open the door And there they are, hanging right in the keyhole. They've been there all along. Now think about how much enjoyment or appreciation or at least relief you get from finding something that was lost and is now located. So if you can feel that much relief, imagine how you might feel to rediscover something that you've hidden from yourself, something important like your spiritual magnificence, like your connection to abundance, like your connection to your authentic empowerment. How much fun is it to hide that and then rediscover it? So if we relate this, te- this idea back to the teachings of the science of mind and spirit, I think it's important to remember first cause, divine principle. That's, that is the truth of your being. The essence of life itself is the limitless possibility within which we each live and move and have our being. Whatever it is that is your heart's desire is right here within you now. If there is something that you are right now thinking or believing is lost or missing, perhaps it's your health or your self-esteem, your capacity to experience joy or freedom, Whatever that current challenge is, it's important to remember that at the absolute level, it's not possible for you to be separated from the true nature of your divine being. It is who you are now. And the reason nothing could be missing is because if something was somehow outside of divine wholeness, it would mean that there's a problem with the definition of wholeness. It's not possible. The very definition of wholeness includes everything, including whatever is going on with you in this moment. That means your worthiness, your capacity for love, forgiveness, creativity, your joy, your bliss, your wonder. It's always been intact, always available within the oneness of your being. It is, in essence, hanging in the keyhole of your life, waiting for you to rediscover that it's always been there. So what is it that you're playing hide-and-seek with? For me today, my serenity played a little bit of hide-and-seek when I got stuck in the driveway and was worried about getting here on time. It will help in your search, and certainly in your enjoyment of the search, I think, if you know that it is already within you. If you know that it can't possibly be really gone, this knowledge helps dispel the fear that perhaps you could be searching in vain. The part of you that is impelled to search is the part of is impelled by the part of you that already knows that it does exist and that you are one with it. So here's one of the challenges of the human game. We seem to invest an awful lot of energy 
and upset when we forget temporarily that we are divine and magnificent. If you have ever grasped hold of that feeling of your divinity, and you know that it is such, whether it's a brief glimpse or a more solid recognition of that truth, it's so magnificent and so wonderful that we never want that to go away. We want to hang on to that, and we do sometimes think that it should be static and stable, and that it should never move away, that you should never have periods of doubt. However, it appears to me that this is part of the game. This is the way you designed it. Our challenges give our life meaning. They help us rise to another level of enlightenment and understanding. It is so easy to remember your magnificence when the whole world is reflecting back your magnificence. But in forgetting, if forgetting wasn't part of your journey, then you wouldn't forget. There must be a purpose to forgetting. So what do you think is the benefit of forgetting? In the same way that it's more wonderful to walk into this room, this warm room, when you've been cold outside, or to hear the voice of a loved one when you've been feeling low or lonely, it also feels more delicious to remember that you are precious, to remember that you are loved, to feel that creativity or that joy or that grace after a temporary period of forgetting. We have a deeper appreciation of the remembering as a result of the forgetting. The forgetting, the struggle, the strain, the challenges, what if they're all here simply to provide you with the contrast, to help you wake up to the deliciousness, that that just awe and appreciation that you have when you do remember, when you do feel that joy? In becoming aware of whatever it is that we're currently experiencing that is not feeling like what we want, it helps us to be so much clearer about what we do want. It helps us to get very clear on what we want to create, what direction we want to move, and how to have more fun. In his book, Manifesting Change, Mike Dooley says that your guidance system is the way your soul helps you to be clear about your preferences and values. And it is such an important part of this game to honor your values, your preferences, and your own uniqueness. So in the game of hide-and-seek that my kids were playing with Michael, his directions, warmer, colder, were their guidance system to help them get to what they were looking for. In your life, in our lives, in the game of life, your feelings are your guidance system. When you feel discomfort, it means that you are moving away from that which is your heart's desire. And when you feel a feeling that you would consider joyful or wonderful, it means that you are more in alignment with that which is the truth of your being, that which is your heart's desire. Because you are a divine emanation of the one, you have unique talents, skills, perspective, and preferences, and they are perfectly suited for your particular particular adventure in this time, in this space for you. When your actions are in alignment with your true essence, you feel good. You feel empowered. It's your personal knowing that your guidance system is working beautifully and directing you. So when you feel that discomfort, that is not a sign that there's something wrong. It's not a sign that that your guidance system is not working. 
It's working perfectly. It's very much like the GPS in your car that tells you when you're on the wrong track, when possible, make a legal U-turn. Your feelings of discomfort are telling you to make a legal U-turn and get yourself back in track on your heart's desires. I think one of the biggest delusions that we seem to operate under in this game is that we have come here to accomplish some task. For some people, it's amassing a fortune. For some, it's to make a, a name for themselves in some particular field. It may be to become famous or to make a difference. Many on this path believe that it's about becoming enlightened or rising above the tendency to forget or to judge or to experience any kind of separation. But why are we here? Mike Dooley says that if you're breathing, you're already living your purpose. He says, stop searching. You came here to be happy, to learn, to grow, and to thrive. You came to enjoy the journey and to revel in the experience. Now, doesn't this make sense? It seems to me why anybody chooses to play any game. I think most people who go to play golf go to play golf to enjoy the experience. They don't start on the first tee hoping to be on the 18th tee so it can be over and they can tick it off and say they're done. People don't go to the symphony so that they can hear the last note of the finale. You, you wouldn't be very happy to show up to a game and have them announce the, the final score before anything's happened and send you on your way. But how often do we act like that is what our life is about? What if we don't want unity and oneness and enlightenment as a destination that we reach once and for all and then are there for good, that we stay there forever? We had that before we chose to, shine, before we chose to show up here in this time and space dimension. That already is who you are. I believe that we came because we wanted to have the adventure. We thought it would be fun. Just as people line up for roller coaster rides and scary movies and they choose books that make them cry or activities that test their courage, we want to feel, we want to experience, and we want to savor life. Not just those so-called good experiences, but also the uncomfortable ones. They give texture. They give us just a, a sense of enjoyment. If there wasn't value in all of it, it wouldn't exist. That would be to imply that there's something outside of divine right action. So whether you experience something as wonderful or dreadful, both experiences are equally amazing from that larger perspective of your divine self. It's expressed so beautifully in this note from the universe. He says... This is to remind all of my loyal subjects that you are not my loyal subjects and that I'm bloody tired of all the sacrifices, the appeasements, and the groveling. I, the universe, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the alpha and the omega, and all the rest have created a paradise in time and space so that I, through you, might experience its infinite splendors drink from its every cup, and live, love, and be merry in ways that are impossible without you. Your desires are my desires for you. What you want and when you want it, 
These were my ideas too. Your dreams are my dreams. You are the be-all and the end-all of time and space, the only reason for this Garden of Eden, and you can do no wrong. There are no mistakes, and it's all good. Follow your heart and delight in your preferences. Approve of yourself. Stake your claim. Demand it and hold out your hands. Banish your doubts. Get off your knees and live as you please. Because, dearest, you can, and that's all I have ever wanted. With unspeakable love, I am the universe. And with unspeakable love, know that you are blessed and you are a blessing. Namaste.